Now for... Johnny Dollar. Dave Lawler, Johnny, over at Surety Mutual and Trust Company. Oh, hi, Dave. Long time. Yeah, I know. Listen, you own a pair of dark sunglasses and some real loud sports shirts? Mine are so loud I have to keep them in a soundproof drawer. Great. But where you'll be at this time tomorrow, nobody will give them a second look. Oh? Like where? Well, according to the travel folders, it's, quote, the land where the summer spends the winter, unquote. In other words... Palm Springs, California. Dave, you're on. Good. But don't forget, this can be pretty expensive for your company. Oh, more than you know, Johnny. 75,000 hard cash. Ah, we. Oui. Unless you're able to prove the bracelet Dan Galloway gave to his child bride wasn't really stolen. For a trip to Palm Springs at this time of year, I think I could prove anything. <laughs> Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Home Office, Surety Mutual and Trust Company, Franklin Building, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the suntan oil matter. <laughs> Expense account item one, $197.40. Airline fare and incidentals, Hartford to Palm Springs, California. I registered at La Casa de Paz on South Palm Canyon Drive, changed into casual clothes, and sauntered over to police headquarters. Detective Sergeant Lacey was about to leave for lunch, so I went along with him. Yeah, Dollar, you'd be surprised at how much stuff is lost in this town during the course of just one season. The report we got says it was stolen, Sergeant. Oh, sure, sure. But I doubt it. A $75,000 bracelet, just five days old? That'd be a little careless of the lady, wouldn't it? Well, if you were married to one of the biggest wildcatters in the oil business, maybe you could afford to be careless. What about Dan Galloway? Didn't you say he was drilling somewhere around here? About 80 miles south in the middle of the desert down by Salton Sea. Salton Sea. Oh, that's really a big inland lake that lies way down below sea level, isn't it? Want to bring me a check, Daddy? 245 feet below sea level, Dollar. There's oil there? Dan Galloway figures it this way. One of the most successful new fields that's been worked in years is deep under the Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Louisiana. There are a lot of salt domes down there, and underneath them are big pools of oil, millions of barrels. So, why not under the Salton Sea, which is all salt deposits? Who knows? Maybe he has something. Anybody else drilling down there? Uh, just Galloway. Who else needs it? I mean, any more than he does. Well, does he? All yours, Daddy. How would I know if Galloway needs it? But there has been talk around, you know. But if he's hard up, how could he afford that fancy bracelet last week? Yeah, or the uh, snazzy Italian sports car the week before that. I don't know either, Dollar. What about his wife? Oh, 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 that Roberta. What a doll. And in 3D, if you know what I mean, how an old coot like him could ever latch onto a pretty little chick like her? I take it Roberta's somewhat younger than her husband. Oh, not more than 35, 40 years. Oh, I see. How long have they been married? Mm, two, maybe three years. Uh, down in Dallas, I think it was. She's a Texas girl. Well, is it working out? I mean, are they happy? There's talk about that, too. What kind of talk? Oh, it's really just small-town gossip for the most part. Uh, ever hear of Sonny Wyman? Wyman? No. 
Well, Sonny's around Roberta's age. One of those kids who came up from nothing but all the time knew exactly where he was going. You know, made a point of meeting the right people, shaking the right hands. Real nice kid, too. Uh, what's he do? Well, when the season's over here, he works Pasadena, Beverly Hills, and L.A. Always has something that'll intrigue his wealthy friends. This season, it's Italian sports cars. Uh, Cosmo Romas, I think they are. And he's the one who sold the Galloway's theirs, huh? Uh, he sold Roberta hers. Any angle there in connection with the bracelet? Hmm? There is. You let me know. Well, if there isn't, what have you been working up to? Well, actually, nothing. You see, I still believe it was lost. Expense account item two, $35 for rental of a drive-your-own car. I found the Galloway place about two miles out north and east of town. As I parked in the broad U-shaped driveway, I noticed a low, shiny, suntan-colored sports car standing in the shade of a date palm back by the garage. I started over to take a look at it. but the front door of the house opened, a Filipino boy appeared, took my name, and showed me into the living room. Through the solid wall of picture windows, I could see that the whole place was built around a kidney-shaped swimming pool. Huh, mighty inviting. And so was Roberta, Mrs. Galloway, when she stepped into the room a minute or two later. Hi there, Mr. Dollar. My, it's nice of you to come all the way out here. Yeah, Sergeant Lacey was right. Roberta was a living doll. 22 or 3, trim, petite, and with a figure that... Well, let's not go into that. She said it would be more comfortable out on the lanai beside the pool. I just wish there was something I could tell you about that bracelet that had helped you find it, Mr. Dollar, but... Well, just must have been stolen. Well, it makes no difference insofar as your claim is concerned, Mrs. Galloway. The company will still have to pay up, you know, unless, of course, it's found. Oh, I know that. How do you go about your investigation? I mean, uh, do you offer a reward or something? Uh, usually, yes. Uh, of course, it depends on... How much have they offered for my bracelet? Well, frankly, I haven't checked on that yet. But now, Mrs. How Galloway... How much would you guess, Johnny? Well, claim this size, probably somewhere between 10 and 30 percent. The... What's the matter, Johnny? Your ear's out a mile. Uh, nothing. I... I just thought I heard... Now, that's funny. I didn't hear a thing. But I had. Quick footsteps somewhere in the house. Then a door opened and closed. Then a few seconds later, the unmistakable growl of a high-powered engine thundering out through twin straight pipes. Oh, Dad, probably some hot rod fan in the neighborhood just drove by. Aren't they She all... prattled on for another hour or so and again asked about possibilities of a reward for a bracelet. But so far as helpful information was concerned, she came up with nothing. So I excused myself and drove back to town. I wanted to talk to the driver of that sports car. I also wanted to check with Wilhoyt Van Hook, the jeweler who had sold the bracelet. I found his shop on Palm Canyon Drive, a small place, but very ultra-ultra. As I was about to enter the door... Hey, Mr. Dollar, got a minute? Oh, yeah, sure, two or three minutes. And I, uh, I like your car. Mr. Wyman, isn't it? That's right. How'd you know? How'd you know mine? Yeah, real cloak and dagger stuff, huh? You, uh, you knew I was out at Berta's house, didn't you? Well, it seemed pretty obvious when I heard you hot-footed for the door and then heard this pint-sized monster of yours barrel off. Hey, you wouldn't like to buy a Cosmo Roma, would you? It's a real dilly. Oh, I'd like nothing better, but I'm out here on a job. Yeah, I know. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Well, you know anything that'll help me? Not much, I'm afraid. But I'll be glad to tell you anything I can. You going in to see Willie? Willie? Yeah, you know, Will Hoyt Van Hook, the jeweler. 
I was, yeah. Why? Do you know him? Know him? I sold him one of these. One exactly like mine. And we're both going to be in the rally they're holding next Sunday. You ever see a good sports car race? Uh, no, I'm afraid not. Well, we'll soon fix that. And look, uh, after you've talked to Willie, if you want to go down to where Dan Galloway is drilling his new well, I'll be glad to give you a lift. Good idea. But I don't want to take you out of your way. Oh, not at all. I was going that way anyhow. Besides, uh, I thought it might give us a chance to talk a little. Sure, why not? Why not? With a name like Will Hoyt Van Hook, I expected... Well, I don't know what I expected. As it turned out, he was a smartly dressed chap of about 40, tall and slim, blonde hair and quick blue eyes, an alert mind. I told him why I was in Palm Springs, showed him my credentials, and he immediately offered full cooperation. Now, here we are, Mr. Dollar. Here's a copy of the appraisal. A duplicate of the statement I sent Dan Galloway. And here, yes, here's a sketch of the bracelet. Ah, very good. Diamonds here, emeralds, and the mounting is yellow gold. Hand worked, all of it. Mm-hmm. One thing I can't help wondering about, Mr. Van Hook. Yes? Isn't a $75,000 bracelet a bit unusual for a shop in a resort town? As a matter of fact, it is. As you can see, I specialize in rare and exclusive sort of things. But very little over, say, ten dollars or $12,000. Then the Galloway bracelet was an exception. Yes. After Dan told me what he had in mind to give to his wife, I had some sent over from Pasadena and Los Angeles by wholesalers with whom I do business. You know, had them shipped down on consignment. He liked one, and that was that. I see. Mr. Dollar, I wouldn't want this to go any farther, of course. But after all, jewelers and insurance companies are... Well, our businesses are pretty well tied together, at least on occasion. Yes, unfortunately. But what are you getting at? I'll tell you. Two days after the bracelet was delivered, one morning, just as I was opening up, Dan came in here. So? He was ill at ease, looked worried. He said he had to have some cash quickly. He asked if I could possibly refund his money. Oh? Did you? No, because I couldn't. Things have been rather slow for me this season. Quite frankly, I'd used all I'd made on the bracelet to pay up some old bills. I told him as much and that I was sorry, but I just couldn't help him. Did Galloway say why he had to have that much cash right away? Yes. Well? I don't know much about oil drilling, but as I understand it, his test well is down some 400 feet further than he'd planned on going. And the day before he came in here, something on his rig had broken loose and left him with a highly expensive repair job before he could proceed any further. Apparently, it was all very serious and very expensive. Hmm. Strange, his wife didn't seem to be bothered. I just talked to her. Berta? <laughs> Believe me, Mr. Dollar, she wouldn't be. In fact, I doubt if she even knows. Oh? Figure it out for yourself. A man of nearly 60 who has to give bracelets and fancy cars to his wife to keep up her interest. Well, you'd hardly expect him to tell her that kind of news, now would you? No, I suppose not. Especially if he's worried about the competition. And if you ask me, he has competition. If only he could see it. That suntan and chrome Cosmoroma was all Sonny Wyman claimed it was. It purred like a kitten performed beautifully. But I was more interested at the moment in what Sonny wanted to talk about. Johnny, I'm going to be perfectly blunt with you. I'll go along with that. 
Out at the house a while ago, I felt pretty foolish when you arrived and Berta insisted I hide until she could get you out on the lanai. Did she have any particular reason? Well, you see, we know that... Well, there's some talk going around about Berta and me. Any truth in it, Sonny? A little, I guess. You saw her. Oh, yeah? I mean, there's nothing serious between us. It's just that, well, with Dan away so much of the time, we, uh... Well, we have fun together. Yeah, sure. Now, what about the bracelet? You mean who might have stolen it? That's the general idea. I don't know. I have no idea. That, uh, sound funny to you? Should it? Well, after all, Dan and Berta keeping their house open to everybody, people in to swim, play badminton, cocktails, barbecues. I guess half the population of Palm Springs has been there at one time or another. And even if it weren't an invited guest, why, it'd be simple for someone to just sneak in and walk off with it. Providing, of course, they knew where it was kept. Well, yeah, someone who was close enough to... Well, yeah, I, uh... I heard uh, Berta ask you about a reward for it. You think a big enough reward would turn it up? I would think so. I understand that stolen jewelry brings about uh, 20 cents on the dollar. Sometimes it brings 20 cents. Sometimes 20 years. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I uh, j- just wonder. How's the car business doing, Sonny? Oh, great, great. It's really one of the reasons I'm driving out this way. Oh, uh, a prospect? An oil-rich Indian or a well-to-do prairie dog? <laughs> Hardly. No, I told you we were having a sports car rally on Sunday. Well, being the promoter, so to speak, I'm going down to check the course. If you're still around, you ought to come. Oh, maybe I will. Having some good events, too. Willie Van Hook and I are running a match race. He's quite a bug, you know. And ever since I sold him the twin of this job, he's been working it over. Special carburetor, racing cams, everything. And I wonder I can't afford this kind of stuff. Oh, man, you'd be amazed at the amount of, amount of money that changes hands. Hey, wait a minute, Sonny. Race. Isn't that an oil rig over there? Uh, yeah, Dan Galloway's. The rig itself is about uh, 50 feet out in the lake. The shack or office or whatever you want to call it's over the other way. You see, about a quarter of a mile beyond those Joshua trees, I'll drive you over. He did. There was an old car parked near the shack, so we figured Dan Galloway must be inside. Sonny Wyman dropped me in front of it, then took off in a cloud of dust and exhaust gas. I picked my way between the cactus plants, opened the door without knocking, and barged right in. Mr., uh... Oh. Oh, hello. No use asking. If Mr. Galloway is here, I can see he isn't. No, he isn't. Is it all right if I wait? I'm Johnny Dollar. I'm Mrs. Galloway, Mr. Dollar. Huh? Hell, that is, I'm the first Mrs. Galloway. The former. The one who scrimped and saved while Dan was booming around every oil field all over the country trying to make his score. I'm the forgotten Mrs. Galloway. Oh, I, uh, well, I'm sorry. Are you expecting him back soon? <laughs> who knows? I've been waiting here three hours. But I'll wait three days if I have to. Promises, that's all, promises. What do you mean, Mrs. Galloway? After working to help him the way I did for all those years, and then to be tossed over for somebody else who never did a lick of work in her life. Oh, sure. Give me anything I want if I let him free. So what have I got? Promises. Well, I, I'm sorry. But getting all upset is going to help. Well, wouldn't you be upset if you had more than $18,000 in back alimony coming to you? And with them living like royalty? Oh, I see. Well, he's not going to keep on getting away with it. That's why I'm here. Well, now that gun in your handbag isn't the answer, I'm afraid. How'd you know? I've seen that kind of bulge in a handbag before. You really have ideas about using it on him? Well? Why? Well, I... Oh, I don't know. I... There are times when I feel as though killing would be too good for him. Then there are other times when... Oh, I, I don't know. 
Well, here, better let me no, have it. No, leave me alone. Well, I'm not going to sit here and try no. to make sense with somebody as upset as you are who has a gun. Well, how would you feel? What would you do if you were me? How should I know? But killing him isn't the answer. Isn't it? Or sitting here shouting at me. Who are you anyway? What are you doing here? I came out here to see your husband, your ex-husband, on business. What kind of business? A friend drove me out here and figured Dan would drive me back. But since he isn't around, there's no point of my staying here. Or you either. Well, maybe you aren't going to You have a stay... car, so you and I are driving back to Palm Springs. I'm not leaving here till I see Dan. Until I get some money from him. Or see him dead. Maybe he's at the well. All right. Maybe he is over there. Now, come on. Why I took this on, I didn't know. But I couldn't leave that slightly frantic woman sitting there, waiting, with murder in her heart. For all I knew, she'd murdered Dan already. Better inspect the gun later. The road down toward the oil rig was just a pair of ruts in the desert sand. Then just as we cut in between some yucca plants and a wind-blown Joshua tree, I slammed on the brakes. There, in the middle of the trail, lay a man's body, crushed and twisted. Dan Galloway had been carefully, repeatedly, run over by a car. Expense account item three, $1.19 for a quick phone call to Sergeant Lacey in Palm Springs and smelling salts and a bromide for Florida, the ex-Mrs. Galloway. Then I dropped her off at the Galloway house. She and Roberta ended up consoling each other while I huddled with Lacey in his office at headquarters. Some of the boys are still out there, Dollar, checking tire prints, taking pictures, and so on. No clue as to who ran Galloway down? Not yet. Looked to me as though Galloway stepped out of his own car to see whoever had pulled up in the other and was run down for his trouble. The car that did it ran around in a circle over and over him. Any suspects, Sergeant? You found his ex-wife, Flora, waiting for him in the field office, you said. That's right. And she was pretty nervous, on edge, you say. So? Also, she was carrying a gun. Oh, now, wait a minute. Uh, any reason why she couldn't have run him down earlier, then gone back and just waited for somebody like you to come along? Somebody with whom she could then discover the body? Only one hitch. You told me yourself, Dollar, that she was pretty insistent about your going over there to look for Gannon. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, Sergeant, you're off on the wrong foot. Why? Because of the tracks left by the killer's car. They didn't match the tires on Flora's car. You checked? I checked. And if I were you, I'd have your boys find out whose car did make those tracks. I'm way ahead of you. Well, if you know, then what do you... Hey, wait a second. Yeah? Levine, Sergeant. I got news for you. Hey, listen to this, Dollar. About those tire tracks at the scene of the killing. Well, right on cue. They're the, the same make and size as the tires on Sonny Wyman's Cosmo Roma. You sure? Well, I told you it's the scene. I thought it was a sports car by the small size of the circle the tracks made. Yeah. And knowing the feeling between Wyman and Galloway, I went right over to his place. Nice, clean tracks all over. And they match. You holding Wyman? Oh, well, I don't know where he is, Sergeant. He wasn't at his place, and there was no answer to the phone at his showroom. Well, then get after him. Put out a flash on him. With that car, he shouldn't be too hard to find. Let me know when he's picked up. Yes, sir. What do you think, Sergeant? You know something, Dollar? I have a notion that when we find Sonny Wyman, we'll also find out what happened to that bracelet. Yeah, could be. One thing was certain, Dan Galloway could no longer be suspect in the case. But Roberta? Why not? Maybe she did know that Dan had run out of money. Maybe that's why she was so interested in the amount of reward for the bracelet. And what about Sonny Wyman? Well, it looked bad. A smart young opportunist out for the fast buck. And of course, close to Galloway's wife. Anything he could do to hurt Galloway would help him. And now these tire tracks, the one solid clue to Galloway's killer. Sergeant Lacey and I drove out to the Galloway house. 
No, Johnny. I haven't seen Sonny since he left here this afternoon. That's when you were here. He didn't call up? Why should he call up? Why shouldn't he call, Roberta, if he'd heard that Dan was killed? Now you listen here, Mr. Dollar. If you're trying to trick me into saying something about Sonny having anything to do with Dan's death, you're wasting your time. And what's more... Pardon me. Hello? Oh, yes. Just a minute. For you, Sergeant Lacey. Oh, thanks. Hello? Yes? Yes, when? Yeah, I see. Okay, Levine, thanks. Has he found Sonny Wyman? He sure has. And if you want to see him, you'll have to go to the coroner's office. What? Oh, no. Yeah, that souped-up car of his, a couple of miles out of town, ran off a curve and over a hundred-foot bank. Within minutes, Lacey and I were at the scene of the accident, looking things over with the help of flashlights. Yeah, he must have been really burning up the road to spin and roll this far off the highway. But surely he must have been familiar with that curve. Oh, sure. He knew these roads around here as well as anybody in the county. Tires still in one piece, too. And these sport cars usually corner pretty well. Well, this one didn't. Hey, Lacey, look here. Yeah? This left rear fender. Looks to me like this car was sideswiped. Hey, you're right. Rolling over never make a long crease like that. Uh-huh. And no, wait. If another car sideswiped him, there'd be paint on this fender. Paint from the other car. Sergeant, you're absolutely right. And since there's none here... Sergeant, you're absolutely wrong. How far to the nearest filling station? What? I want to make a couple of calls to some wholesale jewelers in Pasadena and Los Angeles. Right now, in the middle of the night? Right now. Wholesale jewelers? Expense account item four, $11.90, phone calls to Pasadena and L.A. The third call yielded Mr. Alfred Mencken of Mencken Imports Incorporated, who was pretty cheerful about having been gotten out of bed. It's quite all right, Mr. Dollar. Now that I'm up, I'm wide awake almost. Well, I hate to throw something like this at you in the middle of the night, Mr. Mencken, but tell me, please. Did you ship a diamond and emerald bracelet to Will Hoyt Van Hook in Palm Springs within the past few weeks? Why, yes, Mr. Dollar. Oh, as a matter of fact, I sent him three. That was two weeks ago, and he returned them all. Returned them? When? Well, two of them the day after he got them. But the third one he kept for a while. I got it back just last Thursday. Now, I don't know if that means anything to you. You bet it does. Thanks very much. Lacey and I piled into one squad car, four patrolmen in another. It was several miles out to the little ranch where Van Hook lived, and Lacey and I chewed it over as we drove along. It don't hold out on me, Johnny. What if it made you think a Willie Van Hook is the one who drove Sonny Wyman off the road? Well, apparently there was no paint on that fender from the car that sideswiped him. Actually, there was. Holy... Of course. Van Hook's car is exactly the same color as Sonny's. Another thing. The car that ran down Galloway, like the one Sonny drove, even down to the tires, but not necessarily the same car. Plus the fact I couldn't help wondering about Van Hook all along. Yeah, but why? In a job like mine, you have to wonder about everybody connected with a case. Anything particular about Van Hook? Well, he told me that he'd use the money he got from Galloway to pay off some overdue bills. And yet, a few weeks ago, he was able to buy an $8,000 sports car. It ties up, Dollar. It all ties up. But how did Sonny Wyman figure in it? Oh, Sonny was a fellow who lived by his wits. He may have reached the same conclusion about Van Hook that I did. May have had an idea for latching onto the reward money. He mentioned the matter of reward to me a couple of times. Or he may have had ideas for blackmailing Van Hook. Another thing. Van Hook saw me drive away from his shop in Sonny's car. That meant he had to act fast, get rid of Galloway, who'd given him back the bracelet, and, of course, take Sonny out of the picture, too. Yeah, it all 
all seems to head up very nicely. And when we face Van Hook, but well, there's his place now. Yeah, here's his driveway. Well, either he's skipped out or he's asleep. No lights on in the place. Well, if you ask me, he's far... No, no, wait. Yeah? The third window on the right. The blind was pulled away for a second or two. Well, then let's get out of this car. We're sitting ducks in here. Sergeant. What do we do? You boys split up. Cover the back and sides of the house. He's in there? Yeah. Okay, boys. Come on. Hey, Johnny, maybe you better keep out of this. Are you kidding? I'm... Hey, listen. The car door, I'm sure of it. Yeah, I know. Holy... What's he up to? Gonna lock himself in and take the monoxide route? Come on. Are there back doors in that garage? Not that I know of. Here, wait a minute. Van Hook! This is the police! We've got men all around this place! Turn off that engine and come out of there with your hands over your head. Don't be a fool, Van Hook. You haven't got a chance. Come out of that garage. Hey, did you see that? He drove right through the door of his garage. Come on, Lacey, the car. Get after him, you guys. Get moving. Yeah, come on, boys. All right, boys. Crazy fool. He's getting into the sideswiping habit. See what he did to that other patrol car? Yeah, they're okay. They're off and tailing us. Come on, step on it, Lacey. This is one time we ought to have a Cosmo Roma. Well, maybe he can outrun us, but with two cars on his tail, he may get careless, take chances. If so, well... Yeah, hang on. Oh! Lacey, you could qualify for some of those road races yourself. That guy's out of his head. Main highway like this full of trucks and trailers. Oh, don't worry about those guys. Those interstate truckers will give you a clear road after them. They're the best drivers in the country. Come on, hit your siren. You're right. See, I told you those guys would give you the road. Holy... Look! The trailer in front of him! And the oncoming truck! Van Hook's trying to squeeze through! Pull up! Pull up, I will... Well, he squeezed through all right. Squeezed right through the pearly gates. Expense account item five, $38.75, room, two meals, and valet service at the Casa de Paz. Item six, $191.60, airfare and incidentals, Palm Springs, California, back to Hartford. Expense account total, $474.84. Remarks? Well, justice is done in pretty strange ways sometimes. Kind of makes you think. Maybe it pays to tread the straight and narrow, doesn't it? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, international intrigue. A beautiful girl and a very clever chemist. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood. It is written by Paul Franklin and is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Barbara Eiler, Paula Winslow, Forrest Lewis, Frank Nelson, Sam Edwards, Austin Green, and Shep Mencken. Musical supervision is by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar.
This is Dan Coverley speaking. Johnny Dollar has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. I have a special, limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001stories at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. This is Harry Branson at Philadelphia Mutual Life and Casualty Company. Oh, hello, Harry. What's with you? John, I have a case I'd like you to handle for us. It's, uh, well, it's somewhat unusual. Have you ever handed me one that wasn't completely screwy? I said unusual. And I said screwy. So now that we understand each other, what's it all about? Well, absolutely nothing yet. Uh, but I'm very apprehensive about one of our clients. Oh, Harry, you're the biggest worry worn I ever knew. Uh, what was that? I said, who is this client? Oh, uh, Dr. Walter Merrill. Merrill? The scientist? That's right. Nobel Prize winner? The man who worked out the molecular orbital contraction, something or other? Yes, yes, that's the one. As I say, John, I'm worried. Well, who wouldn't be about him? I'll be right down to see you. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar. 
Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Philadelphia Mutual Life and Casualty Insurance Company in Philadelphia, where else? Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the clever chemist matter. Expense of transportation and incidentals, Hartford to New York to Philadelphia. I didn't even stop to check my bag, but headed directly for the Philly Mutual building on Walnut Street. Harry Branson is a good insurance man, but a great worrier. Nonetheless, he'd given me some pretty important too. And after all, what do we live for? Hey, you are. Keep the change. Thanks, Doc. John? John, what took you so long? Oh, now, what's the matter, Harry? Forget to pay the rent on your office or just forgot the key? No, John. As a matter of fact, I have the key right... <clears throat> this is hardly the place for levity. Well, surely you haven't been waiting here on the sidewalk ever since you called me. No, I haven't, but by checking plane schedules, I was able to determine when you'd arrive almost to the minute and not wanting to waste time taking you upstairs to the office. Pretty urgent matter, huh? Which boy, you should be here shortly. What? Well, now, usually I arrange these things myself, Harry. Yes, and how we pay... Out of you. Oh, Harry, you touch me to the quick. Oh, now, please don't misunderstand me. I I don't mean that there's ever anything really dishonest about you your don't? expense account. Well, it's you only... ought to. Believe me, I'll pad it to the hill if I think I can get away with it. Anyway, the most important reason for engaging the car was so that you can leave immediate... Malaga? Yes, New Jersey. It's a... uh, is that where Dr. Merrill is? Yes. As is his custom, he chooses to work in some isolated spot where he can't possibly be disturbed. Uh, he and his colleague, that is. Colleague? I always heard that he worked alone, freelance. And you heard right. However, he now has a professor, Theodore Nash, with him. Nash? One of our... According to Dr. Merrill. Never heard of him. John, they're working together on what I'm sure is some top-secret project. Oh. Oh, say, wait. Didn't Merrill have something to do with the early rocket experiments? Precisely. Which is why I suspect their present work may have something to do with the space satellite or intercontinental missiles or something of the sort. Yeah, possible. But what has all this got to do with you? Their insurance. Dr. Merrill has had a policy with us for some years. $25,000. Oh, and probably he took out a policy for 10000 Beneficiary? Nash made Dr. Merrill his beneficiary. Oh, well, that sort of thing is often done between men working together. Harry, you know that. Yes, yeah, so that if anything happens to one, the other will be financially able to carry on what they've started. Sure, right. Which is no doubt why Dr. Merrill changed the beneficiary of his policy to Theodore Nash. So, what's the worry? No sooner was the change made than I received a letter of protest from Dr. Merrill's daughter. Who's she? Uh, Mrs. Howard Harding. She and her husband live in West Philadelphia. He he's a welder for an aviation company, I think. Well, what did she base her protest on, Harry? She claims her father must have been coerced into changing the policy. Oh, now, wait a minute. That sounds like the hungry relative who complains about being cut out of the will. It might. If Mrs. Harding weren't a perfectly well-balanced, intelligent, and I'm sure quite unselfish person, a completely... Uh, is she good-looking? Well, yes. And uh, real sweet to you? Yes, yeah, she is. Uh, well, now, John, I don't know what you're trying to imply. Uh, they do it every time. John. Particularly when there's a bit of money involved. Good-looking insurance broker like you. And you're a bachelor, too, aren't you, Harry? <laughs> John, you're pulling my leg. Oh, Harry. But then I guess we're all suckers for someone like that. That has nothing to do with it. I've had these hunches before, John, and they've always been right. Even you will have to admit that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll confess that in the cases I've handled for you so far... Why don't you call up Dr. Merrill? I think the quaint old fellow would die rather than have a phone near enough to disturb him in his work. Oh, oh, there's your rental car waiting at the curb. So off you go, John, and see what you can find out. Okay, Harry. It all sounds like a lot of nothing you're worried about, but as long as you're willing to pay for it. And I always did like South Jersey this time of year. 
I drove across the Delaware River Bridge into Jersey and headed for Route 45 to Westville, Woodbury, and finally Pittman, where I picked up Route 47. What Harriet said was true. These hunches of his had a remarkable way of panning out. And yet, oh, who was I to complain? After a pleasant hour's drive through cranberry bog and farm country, through miles of orchards and the intoxicating odor of the peach blossoms, I pulled into the quiet little town of Malaga. Population, oh, I'd say around 500. First stop, the post office. Uh, Dr. Merrill? Yeah, sure. You go back the way you came, about a mile, till you say, you see the name Wampus Bung. Wampus what? Wampus means cat. Bung, bungalow. Wampus Bung. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, the doctor and the professor got the fourth cottage beyond it. White one with a fence around it. Yeah, good, thanks. And if you don't mind, you can uh, take their mail out to them. They haven't been in to pick it up four or five days now. Oh, nothing wrong, is there? Well, who'd know? The way those two keep to themselves, well, you'd think whatever they're working on was the atomic bomb. Yeah, well... Just to be sure, you let them know that you're at the gate now before you try to go through the fence. Oh, what's that supposed to mean? The professor sees you prowling around. He's liable to take a shot at you. As I drove back and toward the edge of Little Malaga Lake, the idea of getting shot at by anyone living in this peaceful, quiet place seemed ridiculous. The lake itself, by the way, looked pretty inviting. I made a mental note to come back here on my own sometime after the fishing season opened. As the postmaster had indicated, the fourth cottage beyond Wampus Bung was heavily fenced in, so I gave notice of my arrival. I had barely left the car when the door of the little cottage opened. Yes? Who, who is it? Dr. Merrill? Oh. oh, yes. My name is Dollar, sir. Johnny Dollar, insurance investigator. Harry Branson? Yes, sir, that's right. Harry Branson sent me down here to see you. Oh, come in, come in. I'm most, most glad to see you. Please, come into the house. All right, thank yes. you. Is, uh... Professor Nash here? In the, uh, in the laboratory. But please As come he spoke, into the, the sliding house. door on the garage at the side of the house opened. A rather swarthy man stepped out, quickly closed the door, and threw a heavy bolt on it, then looked over toward us suspiciously. Yes, because it's better that you and I talk in, in private, alone. Doctor, who is that? Yeah. Oh. oh, yes, Professor. If we have a visitor... Why do you not bring him here where we can both speak to him? Oh, oh, yes, yes, of course. This is Mr. Johnny Dollar, Professor Theodore Nash. Mr. Dollar? I do, Professor. I'm from your insurance company. Just uh, making a little routine checkup. Oh, fine, fine. I'm very glad to see you. As a matter of fact, I wish to talk with you. <laughs> How do you do? Now, come into the laboratory. Professor, do you, do you think it wise? Oh, of course, Doctor. Since he is not a man of science, I'm sure there is no harm in his seeing it. And you have an experiment going, remember? But I wish to Mr. speak Dollar, to him Mr. Dollar, within these four walls, the genius of Dr. Merrill and my own poor efforts are creating things that will startle the world. Outside, the small building looked like an ordinary two-car garage, someone in need of paint and repair. But inside, it was immaculate and loaded with scientific equipment of all shapes and sorts and sizes. There were racks of test tubes, bottles of chemicals, beakers, a centrifuge, machines and apparatus I'd never seen before that I imagine much of the world never dreamed of. And all of it as neat as a pin, not so much as a stirring rod out of place. Ah, look, doctor. The polymerization step is almost complete. 
Yeah? Now, you must continue with the molecular balance check immediately. Oh. Oh, yes, yes. And you must both leave me. This must not be seen by... by anyone. Yeah, we understand, oh. Doctor. We understand. I hope you will pardon me, Mr... Mr. Dollar? Yes, of course, Doctor. Oh, come, Mr. Dollar. Yes, I... I will lock the door. Yes. He, uh... He does require privacy, doesn't he? Yes. Oh, hey, you're not going to bolt that door, are oh, you? Oh, oh, of course not. <laughs> Force of habit, I guess. Oh, it is he who keeps things locked so tightly when he's working. Unnecessarily so. But then uh, genius is permitted his idiosyncrasies, huh? Harry Branson seems to think you two may be working on something to do with guided missiles. Uh, very perceptive man. But that is something we must not speak about. Now... <clears throat> Why have you come here, Mr. Dollar? Well, like I said, just a routine checkup. We, uh, we usually do this when a sizable policy has changed. Oh, there is something unusual about two men working together on important things, ensuring in each other's favor? Well, no. Uh, but when his daughter perhaps objects... You know Dr. Merrill's daughter? Oh, I know about her and about her unfortunate marriage to that, uh, that day laborer. Nothing wrong with day labor, Professor. Yeah, but one who waits for a great man like the doctor to die so that he can get his hands on the insurance money. You think that's why his daughter objected to the change? Of course. But his money will be used to further his work by me. And, of course, for the good of humanity. I uh, see. Well, how soon do you think the doctor will be through with this experiment? An hour, perhaps two. And then... He will call me in to assist him with the next, the crucial step. Uh, but now, about now, this look, insurance... why don't I run in town, arrange for a place to stay, grab a bite to eat, and then come back here, huh? If you like. I'm sorry we have no room in the cottage. No, don't give it a second out. thought. I'll see you later. Something of Harry Branson's hunch had passed on to me. A strange feeling about the whole setup. There was something wrong about both Merrill and Nash, particularly the latter. Something I couldn't quite put my finger on. Was Dr. Merrill afraid of Nash? I don't know. Item two, a dollar even for a quick bite in a little cafe along the highway after I'd made arrangements for a room for the night in a private home. It was not much over an hour later when I drove back to the little cottage by the lake. And then I heard it. Someone pounding on the door of the laboratory from the inside. Someone calling for help. Professor! But the lock's on the inside. Turn the lock. What? Bolt here on the... Oh, what are you... Oh. Thank oh. heaven. Good Lord, Professor. What happened to you? You look like you've been run over by... Dr. Merrill. Too late. Too late. Professor, what happened here? He beat me. Threw acid at me. The doctor? No, the, the man. Who... <laughs> then he killed the doctor with a gun. He killed him. Hold, oh, Professor. Hold. Oh. I, I, I don't know. Act 
two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Democracy. To the many who have lived under tyranny, democracy comes as a guiding light, shining on a brighter future. That is because democracy stands for the establishment of government conceived from deep thought and free choice, rather than being based on accident and force. It is also normal that the free choice of a democratic government happens because people who choose their own government are directed by true interests in the welfare of mankind. Democracy has been proven to be mankind's greatest legacy of freedom. Now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Clever Chemist Matter. Expense account item three, ten dollars for the services of one Dr. Frederick Foote, the only resident medico in the little town of Malaga, New Jersey. After pronouncing Dr. Walter Merrill dead, he took the badly beaten Professor Nash to his office clinic. While waiting for Nash to get in good enough shape to talk, I ran up item four, ten cents, phone call to the sheriff, who promised to come over as soon as he could enlist the aid of the nearby state police. Finally, Dr. Foote gave the word. But I suggest you talk with him as little as possible, Mr. Dollar. In pretty bad shape, huh, Dr. Foote? The intruder not only beat him severely, but threw a bottle of acid in his face. Oh? Professor Nash will never have the use of his left eye again because of that nitric acid. Has Nash said anything that might help us identify the assailant and killer? No. Now, please don't talk with him too long. Uh, Professor? Yes. Yes. Hello, Professor. Oh, Mr. Dollar... I will never see again with my left eye. He has told me. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. But the great Dr. Merrill, he is dead. What a loss. Professor. (laughs) Professor, tell me, did you see the man who attacked you? Yes. Can you describe him at all? Yes, young, not more than 30, five feet, six or eight, very heavy, yes. stocky, and black curly hair. Yeah. Hands like a working man, a laborer. Come Have you ever seen this man before? No, I... <coughs> oh, here. Some water. Thank you, thank you. Do you know why he came in and attacked you and Dr. Murray? no. Was he after something there in the laboratory? Only to kill Dr. Merrill. I tried. I tried to defend him. I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar, but I think that's enough. Yes, yes, okay, Dr. Foote. I think I've heard enough. I managed to get back to the cottage by the lake before the police arrived and came up with one very damning piece of evidence. In one of the bedrooms, I found a picture of a wedding couple. It was inscribed... Love to the dearest father in the world. And next to the bride stood a man who answered perfectly the description Professor Nash had just given me. The husband of Dr. Merrill's daughter, Howard Harding. And then I I thought of what Nash had said about Harding. His antagonism, his conviction that Harding was the one who resented the change in the insurance policy. But there was something else, too. That had happened when I talked with Nash in the doctor's office that... Hmm. By the time I got back to the laboratory, the sheriff and state police arrived. The sheriff, I'm afraid, must up any prints that might have been left on the bottle of acid. However, in the weeds outside, a state trooper found the pistol, a 38 caliber Luger that had killed Dr. Merrill. Fingerprints had apparently been wiped off, but the gun was carefully... 
fingerprints. Before taking off on a mad dash back to Philadelphia, I stopped at Dr. Foote's and picked up one water tumbler. Item 5, 370 for a tank full of gas. Item 6, 50 cents. Parking in Philadelphia as close as possible to Harry Branson's office. John, what have you found out about Dr. Merrill? Harry, he's dead. Oh, dear. Now listen, write down the address of Mr. and Mrs. Howard Harding for me. His daughter, does she know? No, she doesn't know yet, and I hope I can avoid telling her before I write it down, will you, man? Well, yes, of course, Take this. Don't unwrap it, but see that it gets to Ray Kemper at the Federal Bureau fast. I'll check with him about it later, thanks. But, now, John... Harry, this is one time this expense account of mine is going to save you a lot of money. I think. I don't know how many red lights I skipped on the drive out to West Philadelphia, but I felt like a hound dog in a hot scent. The home of Mr. and Mrs. Howard Harding turned out to be in a nice, quiet residential area. I was met at the door by the girl in the wedding picture. A tall, very nice-looking blonde in her late 20s. Oh, yes? Mrs. Harding? I'm Terry Harding. Well, I'm Johnny Dollar from your father's insurance company. Oh, good. Come in. Perhaps you can help me make him do something about that policy of his. Well, uh, that isn't exactly... Someone has poisoned Daddy's mind, Mr. Dollar. Oh? What do you mean? It isn't that I need the money if Daddy dies, which heaven forbid. No. It doesn't exactly look as though you do. Of course we don't. Howard's been doing so wonderfully at Colonial Aviation. Yes, apparently. And I'd had a notion he was just a laborer or something. Oh, dear, no. That's what Daddy called him because... Well, because he wasn't too fond of Howard. And that is the way Howard started before we were married. But now he's one of the officers of the company. Uh, Where is he, Mrs. Arning? Well, as a matter of fact, I thought you were Howard when you drove up just now. He's been fishing. Fishing? On some little lake over in Jersey. He goes every Saturday all by himself. Malaga Lake? No, Malaga's where Daddy was. Mm-hmm. He and that... That what, Mrs. Harding? Well, I... I don't know. It's Howard, I guess. What do you mean? Howard has never liked or trusted him, even though they've never actually met. When Daddy changed his insurance to name that professor... There is something wrong about that man, Mr. Dollar. What, Mrs. Harding? I don't know. Daddy always worked alone until he came along. Daddy's such an alert, bright-eyed little busybody in spite of his age. Wait a minute. Your father... Like a cute little wound-up spring, hopping about like a... Mrs. Harding. Yes? Mrs. Harding, when I saw your father... You've seen Daddy. Well, then you know what I mean. He was tired. Almost in a daze. He spoke with difficulty. Oh, no. You're mistaken. He chatters away like a jaybird. He... What is it, Mr. Dollar? Well, he must have been doped. He looked as though... Hi, honey. Well, I'm just as lousy a fisherman as usual. Not a single... Oh, excuse me. Mr. Harding, just tell me one thing. Well, that depends. Who are you? Mr. Dollar's from the insurance company, darling. Not Johnny Dollar. Yeah, that's right. Well, I've certainly heard of you. Uh, tell me... No, you tell me, Harding. Where have you been? Why, fishing. Where? Over in Jersey. Where in Jersey? Little private lake. Where? Over near Mount Holly. One place I know of where nobody else ever goes, where I can get rid of the cobwebs, it's my job. Hey, wait a minute, Dollar. What is this? Harding, you've been identified as the man who murdered Dr. Walter Merrill. What? I'm sorry, Mrs. Harding. I'm sorry, but it's true. What are you talking about, Dollar? You didn't know about it? Of course not. How could I? Where did it happen? How? At his place in Malaga. Professor Nash. I'll kill that man. You'll take it easy. You seem to forget that so far you're the only suspect in the case. You're out of your mind. If it was anybody, it was that Nash. Never have trusted that man. And the insurance policy. If anybody killed Dr. Merrill, it was that professor. Now listen to me. 
Nash was with Dr. Merrill when he was killed there in his laboratory. Of course he was. But Nash was attacked also, beaten, acid thrown at him. He lost the sight of one eye because of it. And I tell you... You sure? Yes, of course I'm sure. It was I who found them, Nash beating against the inside of the door of that laboratory, crying for help. A door that was bolted on the outside. But, Dollar, I... You're sure of that? I'm sure. Well, I still think... Oh, Terry, I'm sorry, honey. Here, let me... Oh, Howard, it's so terrible. Better answer that phone, Howard. Yeah. Hello? Yes? Oh, yes. It's uh, for you, Mr. Dollar. Oh, thanks. Terry, come on. You've got to pull yourself together. Johnny Dollar. Right. John, this is Harry Branson. I just received a call from Mr. Kemper at the Federal Bureau. Yes. He says he must see you immediately. Call him back, Harry. Tell him I'll be there in 15 minutes. Harding, just to keep things straight, I wouldn't leave this house if I were you. Well, now, wait a minute, just Dollar. Just sit tight. I think you're in the clear. More red lights got passed up on my way into the Philadelphia offices of the Bureau. So Ray Kemper felt that whatever he'd found was important. If so, it would back up one of my suspicions. But in view of the circumstances, that bolted door in the laboratory, for instance, how could it? Important is putting it mildly, Johnny. The prints you found on the water glass, Ray. Three sets. One, yours. Yeah, well, naturally. Two, uh, Dr. Frederick Foote, who is currently practicing medicine. I know, I know, in the town of Malaga, New Jersey. That's where the glass came from. Oh, but the third set of prints. Yes. I had to go into the international file for them. And Johnny... Nash? Theodore Nash? Nash? Nashevsky. What? Theodore Nashevsky. Chemist from one of our not-so-friendly countries. Huh? Expert on explosives. One time, he was thought to have attempted to enter this country. That was in 1940. Ray... Have you got any pictures on him? Plenty. From the time he was a kid. Uh, here. Tell me how you picked up these prints. The beard in this picture. That looks like him, all right. Yeah, this too. With a shaved head. Almost as though he tried to keep changing his appearance. Johnny... Oh, wait a it... sec, wait a sec. This picture of him as a youngster. This eye patch on his left eye. Our dossier is pretty complete. He was quite an athlete until he injured that eye. But it doesn't show in these other pictures, and he hasn't a glass eye. No, his eye always looked perfectly natural. But now, Johnny, if you have information... Ray, I... this has done it for me. Thanks. Hey, now, just a I'll minute. see you. Hey, Johnny! This is Kemper. Give me a man to tail Johnny Dollar. All the way back to Malaga, New Jersey, I hoped my rental car would hold together. It did, in spite of the fact I pushed it all the way. International intrigue is a bit out of my line, but this time, so help me, I was beginning to feel like an FBI man. I stopped at state police headquarters along the way, and according to them, Nash was off the hook. Not only because of the acid thrown in his face, but even more important, because of my own testimony that I'd found them locked in that laboratory. I stopped again at the lab. Nothing. Then back to Dr. Foot's office. Very well, Mr. Dollar. When they arrive, I'll insist that they wait for you. All right, thanks, Doctor. Well, Professor, you're sitting up. Oh, have they found anything, Mr. Dollar? Have they found the man who attacked us and killed poor Dr. Merrill? Professor, I think I have. Oh? But tell me something. Yes, of course. Your, uh, your government doesn't pay you very well, does it? Merrill and I were not working for the government, Mr. Dollar. Although, of course, the results of our work... I'm talking about your government, your own real boss. I do not understand. No doubt it's very much interested in anything this country develops in the line of guided missiles, that sort of thing. Mr. Dollar. Now, let me go on. Merrill was doing important work, stuff that would be of great value to any country in the world. Of course. Your country would have paid you well for the results of his work. But, brother, they'll never get it. 
I do not know what you are talking Money, about. Money? The loot from Merrill's insurance? Sure, sure. It was enough to get you out of here after you'd gained the knowledge you need of Merrill's work. See here, Dollar. After you'd killed him, before he could give to his country, the United States, what he'd invented. You are a he fool. I was beaten, too. The poor too. old man put up a pretty stiff fight, didn't he? Do you think I would have done this to myself? You My gave eyes... yourself away earlier when you reached out for a glass of water I handed you right here in this room. A man who'd lost his sight in one eye would have lost his aim until he got used to it. Funny, though, it didn't come to me until you later. You are mad. You haven't seen out of that left eye since you were a kid. I tell you, you are mad. And a little acid burn to make it look like somebody had thrown it at you would be well worth the alibi it gave you. Feodor... That's right, Fyodor Nashevsky. Uh, listen to me. You you were the one who found us locked in the door, bolted from the outside. You found us. Yeah, also the cord, the string you used to pull the bolt, too, that you looped over the bolt and pulled after you got inside. You couldn't have. I dropped it in the vat of acid. Yeah. Thanks. I was bluffing, but I made a lucky guess. What? <laughs> oh, what a brain. Shevsky, I'm sure glad you're not working on our side. The capsule he fished out of his pocket never got to his mouth. And I'm afraid he won't see very well out of his other eye for a while. My knuckles still hurt. And it was lucky for him that the police arrived. I'm afraid I don't like guys like him. Expense account total, including all the incidentals I could think of, and transportation back to Hartford... 84.35. Remarks? Well, don't beef on this one, Harry. The criminal, in spite of being the name beneficiary, doesn't get paid. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now... Here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, a real close look at a little-known but very dramatic side of Hollywood. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote tonight's story. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Harry Bartell, Howard McNear, Forrest Lewis, Jack Crucian, Russell Thorson, Frank Gersel, and Bob Bruce. Musical supervision is by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Time now for Johnny Dollar. George Reed here. Well, good morning, George. Bad morning, Johnny. Ah, what's the matter? You remember Josiah Gillis? Eccentric old man loves animals? Sure. Well, for the second time, his doctor's into issuing a special. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.